Welcome to Two Therapists Talking. The hope for this podcast is to talk about important issues related to couples and individuals who are struggling in their lives with many different issues. I'm David Thompson, a marriage and family therapist. And I'm Sherry Christensen, marriage and family therapist. Please join us as we explore these issues together, and we hope you will learn and be enlightened along the way. Come find us at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast. Hi, and welcome back to Two Therapists Talking. I'm David. And I'm Sherry. Today we are talking about something that we both like to talk about mm-hmm. and are surprised we have not had podcast episodes about yet. I feel like we have that moment regularly. We like, do. Wait, we haven't talked about this yet? And we have to go back and look because <laughs> we have so many episodes. That's a good thing. Parenting. Yes. Yay. Hopefully a lot of you listening have been um, looking forward to this or thinking about this or mm-hmm. want to hear more about this. So I love talking about parenting Right. Because I've learned so much parenting. Mm-hmm. And context here probably is important. Yeah. I have five children. Mm-hmm. I've got four. I come from a family of eight. My wife comes from a family of eight. And so I think <laughs> we just are having less and less children maybe a little bit. Yes, Used to yes. come from these really big families. And now people are probably three or four Right. On um, oh, probably less. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, statistically I haven't tracked speaking, it. I don't know. Yeah. We're, we're at about two, two point yeah. something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got my, my mother was one of 13. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, um, and then I'm one of, I'm the oldest of six. So we've got, we got a lot of, a lot of experience watching of experience. things or, being a part of things and you know every kid is different so all the things that we're saying are going to be really general and then you're you're gonna have to figure out how to work that with every child right i deal with each of my children in a in a different way um and i think you know we talk about when mental health gets involved whether it's depression or anxiety or adhd or um i have an autistic child and so that shifts and changes how we work with our children so as we're sharing our different experiences parenting and and you know as we were talking about it definitely are not the experts here we've all of these things we do perfectly every single day (laughs) (laughs) we're (laughs) we're always trying to do better so, but hopefully some of these guidelines and things that we'll talk about today will be um, useful as they have been useful to us as we've been working on parenting. I think I tell my clients a lot, you know, you raised your parents, your children are raising you. That's just kind of how it goes. We we learn and grow exponentially, I think, as as parents. Yeah. Lots of extra skills that we didn't really have to have to have or situations we never had to deal with prior to becoming a parent. Definitely. Which is why the, the concept is overcoming our weaknesses, not our children's weaknesses, (laughs) our weaknesses. Fixing our children. No, that's (laughs) (laughs) overcoming our weaknesses as we're dealing with our children. 
and working with them and helping them. So some hopefully helpful principles, maybe if um, you've been struggling in any way, some of this will apply. And like Sherry's saying, it's everybody's so different that it's more along the lines of good principles that you have to fit if you like those principles with your children in whatever way you feel. Um, right. But these are good overview umbrella kinds of concepts. And something that I hear a lot, you know, we talk in therapy about changing people. Mm-hmm. How do we change people? We've mentioned this before. Well, you think about children, what can we really do to impact our children or change right. our children? If there's something that we don't like or something that we think should be different. Um, it's an interesting concept. What can we really do, especially as they get older? And, you know, that frustration of when they're little, it's so easy to shape them where you want them to be or go. And then they get older and suddenly it's pushback. Suddenly have their own opinions. Yeah. (laughs) And you just don't want to do that. Like, I don't even, you just need to do it. What do you mean? You have to do this. Yes. And so what can we really do? Some principles here are going to be very helpful. um, Not in any particular order. Right. But the first thing, and this is for you know, all you higher power believers out there, but again, not in particular order, but the first is to really pray for them and for the principles of divine intervention in their life. And this is something that I think we overlook a lot. Right. How much do we really pray as in mention by name, as in... And situation um, uh and the issues. Yeah. That for them, hearts will be softened they will have strength. Maybe someone will be raised up to support them in a way that they need. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that they will somehow, either by us or by, or by somebody else, be led away from or just have the problem removed. Right. Either way, all of this can be accomplished through prayer. And I think just, we've talked a lot about energy. And there mm-hmm. is something about just the energy of putting out there that I'm thinking about this person. Um, my daughter is struggling with this. My son is challenged by that. And just thinking about him is making a difference. It's beneficial. Right. So not in particular order, but pray. Make sure that you are praying for them and giving them thought, giving them attention. Yes. Their situation, what they're going through. Maybe part of this is just your own heart is going to be softened more in this process too. Right. I love that you kind of mentioned the energy of it because I think for those people who maybe don't, believe in a higher power kind of working towards that, you know, this prayer, this meditative type of space really does do those things that you're talking about. It changes the energy flow of the conversations of the relationship and all of that. Um, and then if you do believe in that higher power, there's this whole other added realm of help that you are accessing with your higher power. Um, whether it is, uh, you know, blessings and, and strength and help that we are um, able to access because of the work we do through prayer, or whether it is um, divine intervention of some sort coming in and, you know, changing things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think both of those aspects are, are useful and helpful. Yeah, definitely. So then as we look at another another thing what can we really do it sounds so simple but we can love them it sounds simple but as you've it's heard so us talk about <laughs> i don't know how many times 
loving someone is not the same as being good at it. Yes. And so love them. Yes. We have a couple of episodes where we talk about love. Yep. Um, And so if you want some more uh, really in-depth information on loving and, and how to love, those are going to be uh, good resources to go back to. Um, but I love the concept that a person to be loved is more important than a problem to be solved. Yeah, that right there could really define most of parenting. Yes, I think. right? Um, and so what we want to do is have you take your frustrations either to a therapist, to your higher power, you know, to a support group, to an empty chair, you know, where you have the opportunity to kind of work some things out, figure some things out, but also to reduce if you're feeling escalated, to reduce the, that emotional uh, distress in you so that you can then come to your child and love your child. It's an underrated concept that for me to be loving towards someone who I'm disappointed in or frustrated with, that that has to go somewhere so that my love can go to them. It's very hard to show up only in love to them if I'm feeling all of these things. So if I can talk to somebody, if I can pray, if I can drive and imagine somebody sitting next to me if nobody's with me, but I'm giving all of my frustrations to them. That's what enables me to let it go Mm -hmm. um, and then to show up differently. And so a lot of people, they I'll hear, okay, I get the concept. I just am not doing very good at it. I'm not being very loving. I'm like, so how are you, when are you taking your frustrations to something, somebody else? And they're not, and you just can't do that. So it's as important I believe as loving them is taking the stuff that's not loving somewhere. Yes. Otherwise it's going to get mixed up. It's going to get, yes, it's going to be a whole different ball of wax. It's all going to get tangled together and it makes it much harder for you to show up in that calm space, calm and loving space. Yep. Probably impossible really. So I'll, I'll do a challenge and I'm sure you probably heard this too on the (laughs) podcast somewhere. Um, that for one month you take all of your frustrations somewhere to your higher power, to a friend, uh, to a journal, to an empty chair, to a therapist, to a therapist, and only take your love to this child or this person. And if you mess this up and you are critical (laughs) or judgmental, you start over. Um, just to see how it affects the relationship, just to see what changes, because chances are pretty good your children already know what they need to be doing and they don't need to be told more what they need to be doing. What they need is to feel something different and to feel more love or support or nurturing or caretaking. Yes. And so it's an experiment. One month frustration somewhere, only your love to your child and see what happens. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And that doesn't mean you're not problem solving with them. Or, or there's no boundaries. Yes, there's that no boundaries. Yep. This absolutely, yes, does not mean any of those things, but it does mean that you're showing up with them in that calm, open, seeking for understanding. If you think about all these phrases we've been talking yeah. about, um, un- empathy, you know, we've got podcast episodes on that. Um, all of those things, that's how you're showing up right. with them. Yep. 
Another really important thing, you already know this, I know, but set an example. Demonstrate the things that are important. It is so important to model the behavior that we want, and we're not very good at it. And what yes. I've noticed... That's <laughs> true. We're not kind of like a do as I say, not as I do, uh-huh. which is super hard. Nobody really buys into that. And exactly. your kids certainly are way smarter than you think. <laughs> even if you think they're smart, they're even smarter still. Right. And so if we're saying, hey, social media, hey, time on your phone, mm-hmm. hey, uh, doing the things that matter, you know, are you doing this? Are you doing that? But our downtime is TV, Netflix. Um, right. Facebook. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram. TikTok. TikTok. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. So model the behavior you want them to have. It will never work that they're supposed to do something different than you're doing yourself. And not yes. only good behavior, um, but if you have a temper, you need to be demonstrating that you can take time and space, that you can walk away from an escalated or highly emotionally charged situation. You're showing them we can do this. Right. Because and not I in do an this myself. Way. But rather in a, let me take a, just a quick yeah. time out and kind of calm myself down. Yes. And I think that goes with, um, with communicating and loving them too. Like if you don't have a time where you're sitting aside, um, with your child, like, you know, on a one-on-one circumstance, you know, take those things, take those opportunities, even set them up, you know, today, I love it. I want to spend some really good time with you. Let's go get an ice cream. Let's go chat. Let's, my kids, even my 17 year old, you know, they love that connecting almost all of my, I have three of my four kids are very sensory seeking kids. And then I have one that's sensory averse. My autistic child is sensory averse, but my sensory seeking kids, it doesn't matter if they weigh a hundred pounds more than me, they want to come and cuddle with me. Right. They want like they want to for me to be able to like I will I literally have my 17 year old football player like sit on my lap and I'll like wrap him up like I did when he was two because he's so sensory seeking and it feels so loving to him, you know, or have time where you're reading storybooks like I did that with all of my kids, even my 17 year old reading them storybooks and doing the voices and just these different (laughs) things that are. Yeah. Loving and caring and connecting with them. Which is honestly one of the most important parenting principles I think there is, is take that time. And often parents will come in with issues and they'll say, I want you to talk to my kid. This is happening. Can they come see you for therapy? And Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll ask them if I can do therapy with them first. And what I found is I will never have the kind of influence they will have or they have in their children's life. Right. And I challenge the parent and try this. If you have issues with your children, it almost doesn't matter what the issue is. Have turns every night where every child gets 15 minutes of yes. undivided attention. Not are you doing your homework or the chores you're supposed to be doing. Right. Not that at all. But just what do you want to do for 15 minutes? It's we can parent, play a game. Yeah, it's child-directed time. Yeah. Yes. And, but every night you got to be consistent because they will love it. They and do. You'll see a lot of behavior changes just from these turns or this time one-on-one every day. What they need is attention and validation from you as parent. Mm-hmm. And so you'd be surprised how many problems get solved with these turns, this time that Sherry's talking about. I, this may be one of the most important things 
yes. I can do. And our lives are busy, right? Let's say I have five kids, 15 minutes each. Okay. That's a lot. This is adding up. <laughs> um, and it's cutting into my downtime. And it means my life has to be a little more organized if I'm going to pull it off. But I can't think of anything else that is more uh, effective for good outcomes. Yeah. And you won't always be doing this, but... You know, you may start this and it goes for a couple of months or something and then life happens and it kind of falls off again because we ebb and flow like the tide. This is right. where we are. But if problems are starting back in, problems with school, problems with classmates, problems with lying, problems with whatever, start these turns again. Make sure they are mm-hmm. happening. Yeah. That would be my advice. And even then, like, can you just back it down to maybe once a week or some mm-hmm. where they know they're going to get that time with mom or with dad and can just feel that, that connection and that love. Uh, I read recently that the number one outcome of anything that they have studied uh, for good outcomes for children is reading with them every night. Mm. And I think this is why it's time, right? I, it's that, it's that time and that connection that I get this time with my parent and, and it doesn't have to be, reading right? right but i would guess if they said do you do i don't think there's probably enough people in the world that they could really that are actually doing like this time every single day with their child this child directed time we're going to do whatever you want for 15 minutes but i think if they did i think it probably would surpass that reading uh, because it's just so critical yeah to form connection and relationship i mean we think yep. about it what What's the requirement for developing a relationship with someone? It's time spent with them, understanding them, doing, you know, those things with them, understanding what's important to them and connecting with them. And if literally every single day you're getting, giving your child time where they get to tell you about all those things or, or show you about all of those things, you are building that really deep, connecting, loving relationship with them. To counterbalance this natural, I'm not good enough, I'm failing, I'm inadequate. Because I'm told all the time as a child, I can't do that, no. Yes. Put that no, back. No, 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 no. All no. these things. <laughs> and it's so easy to interpret this to mean like I'm a bad kid. There's right. something wrong with me. So this time counterbalances, hey, you are very important. You matter a lot. I'm mm-hmm. taking time to just focus on you. So it's not the same thing to say, hey... I'm working on this thing. You can come hang out in the room. <laughs> no, yes. this is very intentionally what do you want to do. As a parent, I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm not going to be watching the game but sort of carrying on a conversation. Right. No, no, no. Just Fully very invested directed. and present. Yep. I think that goes really well with one of the other concepts that we wanted to talk about, which is having more positive interactions than negative. Yeah. That's part of this. And... It doesn't have to specifically only refer to that, but throughout the day, right? Looking for moments. If you realize that if your child is struggling, having a lot of problems with, you know, various things, they probably are going to be having an increase of negative interactions with you or more times that they're being told no, whether that's the quote unquote terrible twos or they're doing something as a teenager or whatever, there's going to be that uptick if there's stuff going on right and it's so important to then make sure on the back end you are 
actively looking for ways and things to to praise them for, to mm-hmm. connect with them about, to have positive interactions around. This is a big one for me because several times, I mean, I'm kind of built this way, uh, more critical than compassionate. It's mm-hmm. so much easier for me to see what's not right uh-huh. than, than what is, and I'm just hardwired. And I hate that I am. And it's something that I need to overcome because this five to one ratio, John Gottman talks about five compliments Mm -hmm. to one criticism is vital. Yes. This this is like a minimum. It's studied, right? Like if it's, if John Gottman put it out, it means it's been through the ringer. It's been studied and studied and studied. And this is the ratio that works. So learn, learn from my example, I guess is what I'm saying. Make sure. (laughs) From your bad example. From my bad example. Do not be more critical than complimentary. Just yes. don't allow yourself to do it. Um, because it's so easy when you try to compliment them to find reasons to compliment them. Because you genuinely just love this child mm-hmm. deeply. And you just kind of get in the habit of seeing what's wrong if, if you're anything like me. So this yeah. is a big one. Or just more, what needs to be fixed. Like here's right, the checklist. Right, good intention. But do I'm this. so yeah. I'm so good intentioned. I'm not asking myself <laughs> if it's even effective or helping. Yes. So or loving. Or loving. Mm-hmm. So this is a big one. More positive than negative. Yes, and hopefully that involves. I think maybe a critical piece of that is your first thing that you say, right? Yeah. As you're coming back together again, yep. whether they've been at school or whether you've been gone at work or. Um, they're coming back from an activity that the very, like, what's the first interaction that you have with them? Is it, is it a positive? Is it a, I'm so glad you're home or tell me all about what, you know, or do you jump into, Hey, good thing you're back. You didn't do X, Y, Z, Q, R, and T. Right in front of the front door where I open the door and I'm opening the door into (laughs) your shoes. Is there nowhere else you can put? (laughs) Yes. And it's not, it's not bad, right? Right. But it very quickly adds up and gets out Mm -hmm. of control. And you get into this mindset of like looking for what they need to be doing, thinking maybe you're teaching them to be responsible Responsible. humans. Yes. But balance, you cannot be more critical than you are positive. So absolutely. Which I think we all have to work on, right? (laughs) Like I'm just thinking in my head, okay, let's see how many, what are my, what's my ratio right now, right? How, yeah. how am I doing right now? And am I making sure I'm just loving them and not getting too upset? You know, it's, it's a good checklist. So even if you think, Hey, I'm doing pretty, pretty great job. It's always a good reminder to kind of go back through and say, okay, where am I at with my ratios? That's why we're talking to you and helping you with this. You <laughs> As need to we're hear doing it. it in our own minds too. How am I doing? How and am I, I doing? <laughs> I definitely need it too. So this is not um, talking down. So really important to boundaries. Speaking of boundaries. Oh, yes. What you're going to do, not what they're going to do. And you have to follow through on consequences. Yes. Um, which if you don't follow through on consequences, it's kind of like a, a wish uh, <laughs> it's a it's suggestion that, yeah. that, uh, how do I usually phrase that? <laughs> it's a suggestion that they can discard at will. Right. <laughs> no, that'd be great if this, well, what happens if I don't? Nothing. Yes. Well, okay. We'll see what happens. Well, then I'm probably not going to do it. And there's a really awesome way to do this. It's Gary Landreth created this ACT model of limit setting mm-hmm. or ACT ACT. 
And I love it. It is awesome. And not just with children, with just anybody. Right. And so if you want, write this down. The A stands for acknowledge the feeling. And if you're familiar at all with our podcast, you know the importance of empathy and understanding and how that de-escalates. Right. So A is acknowledge the feeling. C is communicate the limit because there is a you may not in there. You may not hit your brother. You may not draw on that wall with permanent marker. Right. You may not (laughs) swing the cat by the tail. And then T is target the alternative. And this is very important because even kids, maybe especially, I don't know, uh, they have to feel in control. And if it's just a no, but it's not a yes to something else, it's like, right. It's really hard to hear. And you think it's the same way for us, is it not? Yes. And so, absolutely. T is target the alternative. Mm -hmm. And so, this whole thing all together might be hey, Truman. Just making up a name, I don't know. <laughs> Thirteen year old son, he'll never probably listen to this, so it's fine. <laughs> hey Truman, I can see you're really angry right now. Right. You may not tease your sister and follow her from room to room because you're upset. Right. You can join me. I need to run some errands. You can go outside and jump on the trampoline. You can uh, run around the house. You can see if your friends are available. You can. I'm giving him alternatives. And then it doesn't right. feel so stop it. Yes. Stop what you're doing. Stop. Which is going to get resistance. Right. Because they're like, but I have these big feelings. Right. right. Or I have, I have this really need. Uh-huh. And you're just telling me to ignore the need because I don't know what else I'm supposed right. to do with all of this. And And you would be well to spend the most amount of time on that ACT on the A, which is Mm -hmm. acknowledging the feeling. So if I can really connect to him and say, I can tell that something's really going on for you right now. Like you're frustrated, aren't you? Maybe did something happen at school? What's going on? Yeah. Can you Um, tell me about it? Because that's how they deescalate. Right. You may even find you don't get to the rest of it where you have to um, communicate the limit or target the alternative. They just may have calmed down and shifted enough that you just say, you know what? This ended up being like, you just need a hug conversation. Um, yes. You're okay. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Yeah. And what's what's the need? Yep. And I think that goes back again, um, a plug for those empathy skills yeah. episodes because, you know, we talk in there about how this is the most critical part is really, really understanding where the other person is coming yes. from. and having empathy for them and how often there's no problem solving that's even needed in this situation right. when you do that part because they just need to be heard and seen. And, and I think with the children, then, you know, if it's, Oh, let me just give you a hug or something that's mm-hmm. then filling the need. <laughs> Honestly, right? would probably, you just give your child a hug for a good 10 seconds plus, And that will probably deescalate most of what's happening. Honestly. Yes, if there's, yeah. That could have been in their hug, hacked. Yes. Maybe. (laughs) Hacked. (laughs) Hug first or last, maybe, I don't know. Right, right. And again, it's going to be dependent on your child, right? Like my sensory averse child, like that is the absolute 100% worst thing you can do is touch her in any way Mm. when she is escalated. Yeah. Um, That escalates her further. But being able to empathize with her and kind of get down to, okay, what's going on is really, really huge. Yeah. Um, and so this can work if if your child's having big feelings like frustration or anger or things like that, but also in other things. So, 
for example, and I'm talking about my sensory seeking children, right? They do something where they, they need sensory input. So, and this happens a lot with active kids. If you have, if you have an active kid, um, maybe they haven't been diagnosed with ADHD, but they're just a super active kid. You just want to pay attention to whether or not they might be sensory seeking, right? Do they, do they need, do they want, you know, you to hold them or squish them or are they constantly poking their, their siblings or coming in contact with a lot of things like in maybe a hard way um, because they're trying to get some sensory input into their body because that helps to ground them and, and helps them feel safe in those, in their physical environment. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I have some of those. And so often they'll do what we call stimming where they're just like doing something, trying to get that stimulation right? And that's what that is. Stim is for stimulation. So they'll be like poking and wrestling and, you know, <laughs> annoying through this physical contact, their siblings. Um, mm. and that's, it's because they are just trying to get some sensory input. And of course, you know, oftentimes after just a little bit, the sibling is super frustrated because right. <laughs> they won't stop poking them or why, yeah. hitting them or running into them or, you know, whatever it is. And so being able to address that, because it's not a big feeling, like you're not super angry or something, but you are just, you know, you're stimming on your sibling, right? You're trying to get sensory input. So what can we do? What can you do to, um, you know, you can't, you can't keep poking your brother all the time, right? So there's the limit after you kind of, it looks like you just need a lot of sensory input. Is that kind of what's going on now? Yeah, I just need that stimming. So, Good so point. let's talk about the limit. And then there's a lot of alternatives. You can go play yeah. with the dog. You can go jump on the trampoline. One of the things that my youngest absolutely loves is, and I think we've talked about this before. I seem to remember talking about this on an episode before, but um, he'll sit behind me on the couch. And what he wants me to do is like slam my back into him. <laughs> <laughs> if you can imagine sitting on, on the couch and then I'm sitting in front of him on the couch. So he's behind me and he just wants me to push my body into the back of the couch where he is over and over again, because he's getting the pressure he's stimming, right? He's getting that stimulation. Um, you know, also like squeezing, squeezing mm -hmm. them, wrapping them up in a tight burrito. Um, which are the bottom up approaches we talked about yes. for, for anxiety, uh -huh. right? And Deep that's... Tissue pressure. Yes, yep. it's anxiety producing if they don't have that stimulation, yeah. right? So lots of different things that you can do, like smashing them with a pillow, those kinds of things. Like they just really, really, their body just needs it. And you can actually see with that deep pressure, you can actually watch if you're, if you're really careful and looking for it. Their, their eyes will dilate when they're getting what they need. Right. And so if you're getting that really squish and you can almost see their you can see their eyes dilate if you were to actually be like taking a video mm. of that. Mm. So, so these, this is so fabulous for when they're upset or frustrated or angry or all of those kinds of big feelings, but it's also really helpful in situations where they're just, they're stimming, you know, where they need that kind of stimulation or connection or, when you might need to adjust it, for example, with, um, with an autistic child, if they're having an autistic meltdown, that is not, it's not the same as throwing a temper tantrum. It looks the same. 
And so a lot of parents will get really frustrated and upset because they're like, they're just throwing this temper tantrum. They're just super angry and like, won't talk to me. And there's leave me alone, like that type of a thing. But it's actually an autistic meltdown where they're Mm. getting too stimulated. And so if you come in and you're like, Hey, let's talk about this right away. They're not going to be able to navigate that. They're going to need some time where they have some sensory deprivation to kind of lower that. And of course there's all different kinds of techniques and whatever in meditation, different things that they can do. But again, as we're just kind of looking at this, what are your child's specific needs? And you're going to have to adjust what you're doing and adjust how you approach this model based on what your kids' needs are mm. and what you're seeing with them. Well said. Hopefully this is resonating. In fact, probably I'm sure a lot of you listening are going, oh, and this mm-hmm. is helpful. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. And then you have this, I think the last one that we wanted to talk about today is just teaching them, being able to teach them after you've done these other things mm-hmm. to the level they're being that they're willing to be taught. Which is always, <laughs> this would have been another good lesson for me as a young father is like I can't force a willingness to learn on on my children. Right. I think I have so much good information, and they should. I know just I'm right with you. And eat it up. But <laughs> we can have an hour long conversation <laughs> about what how I can impart all my wisdom to you. And then I ask my wife, "Give me some some input," and she says, "Okay, well, um, you talk too long with the kids." Yes. <laughs> yeah. So my kids I'm, give me that input, mom. Too long. Too long. Too much. Too long. So their willingness to be taught is pay attention to what they're willing to receive because you cannot force more than that. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it means you adjust, you say more in little bits instead of you sit and talk for a long time. Yeah. How long is their attention span? (laughs) And then how long is, how much are they willing to accept? Yeah. And there may be things that they're willing to be taught and then other things that you try to go down that path and they're like, nope. And you're going to force it. Well, don't try to force it. Right. To their willingness to be taught, teach them. And this will get worse as they get older. Yes. <laughs> no, it doesn't have to. Most teenagers are just fine. They don't rebel. But right. some it's harder. So. And that's a beautiful thing is they get to decide. Yeah. They get to decide what input they want to receive at whatever given moment. And you get to love them regardless. And you can set boundaries around that, right? Like if they're absolutely unwilling to hear that, I don't know, underage drinking is unacceptable or whatever, and they're, you know, coming home in, in an intoxicated space or they're getting in trouble with the law or something like that, you're definitely yeah. going to need some boundaries around that and what is acceptable and not acceptable. And then just loving them to pieces, but you're not instructing because right. they already probably have had that information and they're not willing to hear that. Yep. And so it's okay. I think sometimes we get really stuck on that. It's not, it's not okay anymore. Like it's not okay if they don't take my words of wisdom and, um, incorporate them into their life. It, It is okay. And they may not learn it now. They may need to learn it 10 years from now when they're getting lots of negative feedback over the choices that they're making. Right. Right. Naturally. And yep. that, that is okay, and we can still love them, and it doesn't mean anything about us, right? Right. Or them. Yeah. Hopefully these are helpful. Um, we have more we want to share, so stay tuned for the next episode where we continue because there's a lot of really good stuff that I like a lot coming. Okay. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Two Therapists Talking. 
We look forward to sharing more conversations with you. Connect with us at twotherapisttalking.com or email podcast at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast.